1: Welcome to Chasing Hardware, the podcast that sits down with the sports figures you grew up with, and hears their stories. Welcome to Chasing Hardware. I'm your host, Rich Lamello. My guest today was one of the most unique and iconic running backs of the 70s and 80s. He was a high school legend in Texas, coached by his father. He had one of the great collegiate careers of all time at Oklahoma, including winning two national titles. And in the NFL... He accounted for over 8,000 yards from scrimmage, going to a Pro Bowls and winning a Super Bowl with the Redskins. As one rival coach said, he was like smoke through a keyhole. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Chasing Hardware, Mr. Joe Washington. Joe, welcome.
2: Well, Chasing Hardware. I don't. What? What? what, How did you come up with that one?
1: Uh, My kids played uh, hockey. And um, one time, one of the coach said at the beginning of the season, as you're going out to win state titles and county titles, said, (laughs) "Let's go collect some hardware, boys." Oh, "Oh, that's a great phrase. And I was like, "All right, you know, the one thing every athlete, male, female, football, basketball, doesn't matter. They all one thing, right? They want to win titles. They want to win championships."
2: Oh, you're about that absolutely. So it is fitting. Okay, I should have known that. Should have known that.
1: Well, so Joe, as I said at the beginning, you're you're um you're a high school legend in Texas. You're in the high school football hall of fame there, as is your brother, which we'll talk about. Your dad is also a legend. Your dad uh, played football in the army. He was called Flash. He played football at Prairie View, which obviously is an HBCU school, and mm-hmm. it's where Ken Houston and Otis Taylor and some other real yeah. come out of. Mm-hmm. He becomes a coach and a teacher in what was at first the segregated South and then, and then obviously um, desegregation kicks in, but he's a coach from the early fifties through the mid um, nineties in, in both Bay city and then Port Arthur and coaches you Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of growing up in a real football household uh, in Bay city and Port Arthur, Texas, and and what it was like playing for your dad.
2: Well, first of all, it, it was, it was really, you know, you looking back on it, it couldn't have been any better. Number one, my dad was the coach, the high school coach in the city. So we had the keys to the gym. During the summer, he operated the swimming pool. So look, we had the keys to the swimming pool. So, hey, we played in the gym, all the sports during the, during the uh, school year. And when summer came, we used to swim free in the swimming pool. So... My little brother, my sister, and I—we had it made. I tell you, we didn't have a hardly a a a, a penny, or whatever. We didn't know it, but I tell you what—we enjoyed our life. I tell you what—I never wanted to grow up. I wanted Peter Pan to come whisk me off. I'm telling you, man, I really did. I uh, went to practice with Dad at an early age. I got run over every day. Actually, I went to, you know, went to practice with him before first grade. And um, my dad enjoyed having us there. We enjoyed being there. That's where we wanted us to be. That's where we wanted to be. We picked up a lot of things. Let let me put it like this. As opposed to my dad sitting down, telling us different things, you know, uh, reading you the riot act or giving you some words of wisdom, you know, something like that we witnessed it every day mm. at practice. You know, we understood what football was all about without him having to coach us because he was coaching us, as, 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 you know, with the other guys that he had on his football team, sure. with his uh, ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th graders and, and his coaches, we were being coached, you know, without sitting down or having to pay attention. I got. I was in the huddle when the when when we were when they were practicing, and you know quarterbacks calling the play to run the, to to go to the line of scrimmage to run the play. I'm in the huddle. I'm in the huddle. You know. I know and I know to move back. You know because I'm not. I don't have any equipment on me and I'm not going to run the play. But hey, nobody said anything. No other coaches, my dad, the players or anything. They figured too that we were there, and and that's how it was and through all of that i understood what it meant to win my little brother and i understand how working hard and one and, and one thing that was really really important was we expected more of ourselves than our coaches my dad and everybody else mm. And I think, you know, that was probably, you know, the uh, greatest asset that we had. You know, we expected more out of ourselves than anybody else ever did. And that, you know, charge uh, caused us to work harder. And, you know, one, one thing my dad, you know, would say is uh, don't let anybody outwork you. We understood, you know, what that meant, how it would, you know, how it, you know, uh, touches every other phase, you know, of your life to be able to do that and to make sure that, you know, uh, you're, you're accountable, you uh, can get along with people, make sure you, you understand how to fit in. And my mom would always tell us, you know, you, you may not want to, you know, hear what anyone says, but even if they don't make any sense, it is something in what someone is telling you. And I always, you know, um, give a person the benefit of doubt of, you know, of listening, trying to take everything in, putting myself in, you know, their shoes to, uh, you know, make a decision or think about before I say something. But my mom would always say, you know, even a person you don't like, you know, has something to say. So you might as well listen. So, you know, looking back on it, you know, it was definitely a fun time. I had a great family. Uh, my mom, dad, I had a unbelievable brother and sister. We see, you know, dad would come in, you know, all of us come in, you know, uh, that's one. We actually had dinner together. Gee, oh, that's unreal. So we're sitting at dinner. Pat said, just out of the blue, you know, we're all talking. She said, hey, y'all, guess what I did? My mom said, Pat, what is it, honey? I broke Joe Boy's standing broad jump record by two feet. I said, "What? <laughs> you did what? She did." Hey, when I broke it, I I hey I extended it out to where I didn't think anybody was gonna ever get that. You hear me? Right. She comes in and just to guess what? <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was totally in shock yeah. and really I was in shock for dinner and until I woke up the next morning, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, I, well, if she put it out there, you know, another two feet, then that mean a Washington will hold it for the rest of the doggone for eternity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it. And And so you in high school, I mean, in Texas, for a kid to get on the field as a sophomore is a big deal you start at wide receiver as a freshman, which is a very big deal. And you have like over 20 catches or something like that, your freshman year. And then you move to running back, you become a thousand yard, uh, you know, rusher your last couple of years Um, towards the end of high school, your brother's the quarterback. He would go on to play at North Texas state uh, for Hayden Fry and Mm -hmm. um, you become an all American. And so, I guess my first question is, how did you choose Oklahoma? Was it because of the tradition of, you know, guys like Billy Vessels and Steve Owens and Greg Pruitt, or, you know, did you like Coach Fairbanks? You know, what was the, what was kind of the the hook there for you?
2: As most kids, you know, growing up, you know, in the state of Texas, hey, you wanted to go to University of Texas. Now, early on, you know, you didn't know about the fact that, hey, you know, Southwestern Conference didn't have any, you know, uh, black players until, you know, Jerry Levites. Right. Yeah. Okay. After I found, you know, of course, realized that that was the case, it really didn't make any difference to me mm-hmm. because my little brother and I always thought they, hey, my, my parents taught us to make sure that we understood that we were special. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't or whatever. I mean, we were brought up like that. And because of sports and our athletic abilities, we knew we could fit in anywhere we wanted to. And I, I didn't, and I didn't think about you know uh, not going to Texas because of the lack of you know uh, diversity didn't make me any difference. But once I was being recruited, you know they were getting you know more players. Roosevelt Leakes, my teammate in, in in Baltimore, he went to University of Texas, and he actually showed me around on my visit. To hmm. Texas, and and, and to show you how how loyal we were to Texas. um, When Coach Dale Royal's show would come on on either Monday or Tuesday night, and they'd sing the eyes of play the eyes of Texas are upon you, my little brother and I would stand up and and give that hookem sign. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, I'm telling. You, hey, hey, we were we, were in. we right. were in. uh My favorite player was uh Chris Gilbert, okay. running back. Then you know, uh, Jim Bertelson, the Coy Brothers, Woo Woo Wooster. You know, uh, I mean, I I love the hey, I, I love the players. It didn't make any difference to me that they were all white. Hey, right. they were players. They could play. Yeah, and uh, that's how it was. So um, after my eligibility and you know, in high school was up. You know, you got serious about. You know, where did you want to go at this particular time? I, um, you know, I had letters from every school Mm -hmm. in the country. So that was a little overwhelming. Um, I knew there were certain places I wasn't, you know, going that were too far away. I took about 20 something, uh, 26 uh, uh, visits to universities. Mm -hmm. During those days, you could take as many as you want to. And I took as many as I wanted to, (laughs) Rich. So I visited a bunch of schools. Texas was number one on my list. And um, to make a long story short, was leaning towards Texas. Coach Bill Michaels from the University of Oklahoma came by to see me right before they were going to play Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. Told me how much they wanted me. And what he told me was, hey, look, we're going to this game. If we take care of this business, we're going to come back and say, we want you. Don't do a thing until we get back to you. Okay. Now, I sort of had, you know, Oklahoma on my radar because, number one, Greg Pruitt went there. And he played in Houston. Number two, they all wore white shoes. And I'm thinking, ooh, now that's, hey, that's progressive there, man. They all white wear white, white shoes. Not 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 just the backs, not just the receivers. The whole team wore white shoes, Rich. Do you understand that? Yeah. Style. Uh, uh, hey, coaches, the equipment managers, trainers, I like that, man. Hey, hey, you have to have a little style in your in you know in in your in your game or whatever. Because, yeah. you know, as you know later on, I wore silver shoes. Oh yeah. So, so hey, that... That's another story. But anyway, I um, I waited until after Coach Michaels and the Sooners, you know, beat Auburn, and um, they did make contact with me. And the the coach that made contact with me was Greg Pruitt's coach in high school, mm. whom I've known all my life. His teams played against my dad's teams, and it was Wonder Mosley who came and uh, recruited. You know, came and was in charge of recruiting me, making sure that I came to University of Oklahoma. And he told me, you know, that, you know, you'll have the greatest opportunity to do whatever you want to do at the University of Oklahoma, which he was definitely, you know, correct with that. By, and by that he meant, I want to go to dental school, which I thought that's what I wanted to do, be a dentist. You can go to dental school. If you, um, uh, uh, you, you have the opportunity to make all American, all conference, win championships, play on television, all of that, and play in the same backfield with Greg Cruitt. And when he said that, that really stoked you know my uh, you know my imagination. Hey, sure. a freshman at Oklahoma, you're playing, and you're playing in the same backfield with Greg Cruitt. Of course, when I went to went to uh, Oklahoma on my visit. It was one of the most beautiful spring days I'd ever witnessed in my life. And on the uh, south oval of the campus, all the flowers in bloom, the nice gentle breeze. And it would tell showing us the dorms and the facilities and everything. So they took us to the dorm where I would live. And guess what? The name of the dorm was Washington House. And I say, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go. Them. Yeah, checked all the boxes. Hell, I can't do anything any better than this. They've already named the building after me. Now the building, of course, is torn down, of course, but it ain't there. But I ain't there (laughs) for either, you know. So (laughs) so that hey and 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 and, you know, it's an important choice you make. It's probably one of the most important choices that a youngster, you know, can make, you know, where you want to go to school, especially an athlete and um I tell you, I do it all over again, yeah, uh, people I've met, the coaches, the friends I played with, and you know, to this particular day i hey, I call it my uh my home away from home, yeah, and the people there are my family away from family
1: well and and your four years there are insane. I mean, first of all, you you know, to the point you made a second ago, you got to be a freshman who played because that year, 72 was the first year freshmen could play football yep. mm-hmm. at the level, um, which then allowed you to play with Pruitt, who was a senior. Um, in your four years, you lose two games and you tie one. You win yeah. 43 games. You go 43, two and one in your four years. <laughs> Obviously the two national titles, your junior and senior year. Your uh-huh. freshman year, you get over 600 yards in a backfield that has Greg Pruitt in it. Who's like the runner up for the Heisman. Right. Um, you're playing with just some, some let. So when you first go there, it's Chuck Fairbanks. He's a very <laughs> young head coach. He took yep. over because a, a, a previous very young head coach died. <laughs> um, and so Fairbanks is inserted in. Um, so you get there. It's Chuck Fairbanks. Barry Switzer is an assistant. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is an assistant. Yep. Um, <laughs> and you get there. It's the Selman brothers up front: uh, 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 Leroy, Lucius, and Dewey. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and and obviously, like we mentioned, Greg Pruitt. Um, tell me a little bit about, like, you know, you get to Oklahoma, you're getting playing time straight away, um, and you're, you know, your first year, you guys go to the Sugar Bowl and you beat Penn State. Tell me a little bit about that, you know, experience.
2: Well, first of all. My children at the University of Oklahoma, you know, people don't understand had nothing to do with uh, Coach Barry Switzer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't meet him, didn't know him. Even on my uh, recruiting trip, I didn't meet him. So he had absolutely nothing to do with my attending the University of Oklahoma. Now, I will say, by him having nothing to do with my coming there, he had everything to do with my presence there
3: mm.
2: i mean everything you know my life my my goals my history you know everything it's all it all started with coach switzer i mean if you could have if you if you would have told me everything about this man and the effect that he would have on me my career and my life you could, I, I would never, ever believe you could have that, such a, you know, that great an impact. It, 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 you know, just to be honest, which is kind of hard for me to imagine being on this planet without coach. To be honest with you, I've got two coaches, Coach Switzer and my dad. I got two dads, my dad and Coach Switzer. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, hey, I, I, I'm a lucky. I am a lucky. God, I am a lucky person. So I get to Oklahoma. Now, first of all, you know, the Salman Brothers didn't really, you know, exert uh, uh come into play until the sophomore year. Mm. You know, when, because we had Sugar Ray Hammond and Derlin Moore, all those guys there, and Rod Showed, and I mean a defense was unreal. Yeah. So they really had to wait, you know, you know, wait their turn. Yeah, boy, Elrod. yeah oh my goodness yeah El- Elrod came in with me yeah so he so that's so our sophomore year is when hey they they took the reins off the off the seven brothers hey Lucius Leroy and, and Dewey they terrorized the place there man I, I mean it I couldn't have gone a, a, to a better place at the right time and I will say this too you know it's if the system they have now in choosing all, of, you know, the uh, 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 national championship team, you know, where you play this for, if they would have had this when I was playing, we would have won four national championships, right. I'm telling because the games, you know, the, the two games we lost, Colorado my freshman year, we go there, we got the wrong shoes to play on wet artificial turf, mm. and Kansas they were better than we were. We fumbled the ball 15 times, you know. Hey, they got the ball every time they scored, you know, inside our 30-yard line or whatever. So, you know, we would have we would have won, you know, four national championships. You know, that's how good, you know, we were. And um my choosing that school and the fact that I thought, my, my brother thought silver went real well with red, decided that uh, I should wear silver shoes. I don't know how he came up with it. To this day, I ask him. He doesn't say anything. He won't give it up. He just said, you need to wear silver shoes. I say, why? I say, said, you're different. You need to wear a silver shoe. So I went to the store, bought some silver paint, sprayed my shoes, put some red shoe strings in them, painted the stripes on them. And you know what? I said, yeah, you know, you're right.
1: <laughs> and it just became your thing for the rest yeah. of your
2: career. Yeah, you're you're right. I think I'll do this. Okay. All right. Indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And every single picture of you, it's the silver shoes, pros, <laughs> college, doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And, and that team and your quarterback, Steve Davis, rest mm-hmm. in peace, he was like the perfect option quarterback, too. You know, to run yeah. that, run that wishbone, because he'd come down that line, the perfect read, bang it out to you. You know, around the corner you'd go, mm-hmm. um, and you had Tinker Owens, Steve Owens, younger brother, uh, yep. out anytime they did want to throw it down the field. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to say, there's a video clip, and for the listener or for the viewer, there is a 14 minute highlight reel of Joe Washington that you have to pull up on YouTube because it's unlike anything you've ever seen. People talk about Reggie Bush, people talk about Barry Sanders, phenomenal video reels. This is the most insane video reel I've ever seen. And (laughs) the craziest play is a play that went for net zero yards. (laughs) Returned against USC. You catch, (laughs) you run, I think my wife counted 15 people got their hands on you at some point. You went backwards 30 yards, you came back 30 yards basically tackled at the same place you caught the ball. It's the most <laughs> incredible net zero gameplay I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and that, that was his seven, seven tie with USC. And it looked like it was in the rain. Was it, was it kind of bad? Uh,
2: no, it, we wouldn't no, The weather was perfect. We were playing on grass. Okay. And that, that was another time that, you know, we fumbled the ball about 10 times. We okay. missed field goals. And, uh, we held, we actually held USC, our defense, uh passing and rushing a total of 150 yards hmm. for the whole game. Right. And the way they scored the uh field goal is I got dinged or something, I don't know. And I came out and they punted to us. And and the and I didn't I I'd forgotten about this. Clyde Powers, a defensive back. He was uh, my backup. Uh, he he he, re- he he caught punts also. Mm-hmm. So when I went out, he went in, and he told me just—I mean, just two months ago we were talking, 'cause I said, you know, we would have beat USC if I hadn't been Judy, you know, lollygagging and showboating and, you know, hanging out with the with the punt return, you know, against him. If I had gone on and scored and everything, we would have won. And he okay. said, "Nah." That's all right. If I hadn't fumbled the punt, I said you fumbled the punt. You say yeah, around a fifteen-yard line. I say oh, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's your fault.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you know, hey, like like I say, no one would have beaten us or come close to beating us twice for sure, right? And like I say, you know, if if they'd have had this deal, then we definitely would have. Hey, let me tell you, we had we had the most unbelievable group of guys. Now, some players we had were not your typical five-star, but they were five-star in their heart because they wanted to come to Oklahoma. So during those days, you know, uh, you didn't have a limit on recruiting for a while, and they took a lot of guys like that that weren't that blue chipper or they took a kid that, you know, was uh, a good buddies with the kid that they did want. And I will say this, we had some guys on our team. And, you know, that would do whatever it would take to win. Right. You didn't have to worry about them, you know, slacking. You didn't have to worry about them not doing what they're supposed to do. You not you know not to worry about them not stepping up to the plate when you needed them to step up to the plate. They did, especially my line. I mean, hey, if if I didn't gain three yards, they would apologize. If you sleep. I mean, they'd come back. I'm sorry, little Joe. I did this. I say, hey, it's okay. You all just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, I mean, I mean, Jerry Rouse. uh, uh, uh I mean, Jerry, you know, Jerry Arnold, John Rouse, uh. Terry Webb, Dennis Buchanan, uh, Tom Berhane, uh, Ed White. Um, I mean, Chief with Carl Ballinswire. I call them all every year. Mm. I at least talk to all these guys, and I get to see them, you know, quite a bit. So, all I can tell you is this: Hey, the people. And the friends that I've made—it's—it's it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Rich, yeah. really is.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The, the the group you guys had, and and oh by the way, Fairbanks leaves to go to New England.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Switzer takes over, and there was like there was some probation stuff. There was like a two year TV ban and a two year bowl ban, and they they didn't overlap, so which was kind of weird. So you. There was like two years where you couldn't go to a bowl and then two years where you couldn't be on TV. So here's this amazing team and your last two years, 74 and 75, can't see you on TV. That's right. (laughs) So it was like, you know, thank God for sports illustrated and you know, the local paper, because that's how we kept up with you guys. Um, Uh And you guys set a record. So your junior year, you rushed for over 1300 yards. You guys set a record. You run, you run the ball 74 times a game. Nobody's done it since. Uh, you're just running the ball every time and then and then the crazy thing is your senior year you're one of the captains again national champ the running back room at Oklahoma that year could be the greatest running back room of all time there's you <laughs> there's Billy Sims who's a freshman he'd go on to win the Heisman
2: right mm-hmm. there
1: any king who becomes a Super Bowl hero with the Raiders Elvis Peacock Horace Ivory under in any other school those guys would be the legendary running backs at your school you know they're one of five in the room and, yeah. And there's other guys, you know, who went pro too. It's just, uh, well,
2: yeah. Well, hey, Jimmy Rogers. He didn't play, play that much there. And he goes to, to New Orleans and he plays a, a whole bunch of years there. So yeah. Hey, and you know what? Oh, Jim Colbert.
1: Oh my God. Well, George Cumby, Cumby when he yeah. comes back, goes, well, becomes but, a linebacker.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, indeed. Indeed. Well, you know what? Most of our linebackers were running backs also in high school, like Rod Show. Mm. I mean, all these guys could run, you know, which set the prototype for guys like the bars mm-hmm. and his and the group of linebackers that he brought with him and during his day, these are the kind of guys we had. Everybody could flat ass run. I mean, and we have the, you know, you got the Selman brothers, so our linebackers made a lot of tackles because we always had five people on one salesman. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So you guys, so you win back-to-back national titles, which is, you know, just incredible. Um, and you finish it's, I mean, this is, you, you finished third in the Heisman to Archie Griffin and Anthony Davis
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Your year and then your fifth your your senior year you finished fifth then you you had a, like an injury during much of that year right like you yeah, work-
2: i had you know <laughs> i had you know a, a separated shoulder and but but you know that's fine that's no really no big deal mm. but i had a uh a bruised heel <laughs> a turf toe and a stretched arch I mean my arch was wearing me out and this was all on one foot (laughs) and I'm thinking well shucks good I don't have to carry the ball that many doggone time to get yards for anything because I tell you what that was tough and you know what I don't even I don't even think they offered me a shot or anything but I tell you what I don't think I've would taken that that's for sure I won't take shots now right hey yeah, at, at least if you got medicine, put it in some water and rub it on my arm or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, or drink it or whatever, something right. like that. <laughs> it didn't bother it really did it really didn't bother me that much because I did things when I did get, you know, get the football.
3: Right.
2: And I, I didn't mind that. For instance, you know, I thought, you know, my uh punt returns, you know, I, I have a I have a certain imagination. And on that particular punt return, when I was retreating, I uh, sort of thought I was Ollie boxing, standing on his toes, you know, backing up and things like that, you know. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, sort of separated me from the other guys, you know, the things I would do, I would try to do or uh, come up with, uh, like skipping. I think on, on, on one punt return with against Oklahoma State, I think I, uh, you know, that little drill we do with karaoke. Yeah. You know, I, so I, I did. Yeah, I I did that about five or six yards, you know, before I decided, you know, to run, you know, you know, north and south. So, you know, it was fun with me, you know, and I just, you know, think, you know, that I did, you know, and they allowed me to do, coaches and players, you know, do things with the football that you know nobody else would would try doing. So, I really enjoyed it. I really did.
1: Well, it's, and it's funny, we'll, we'll get into this in a second, but you know, you mentioned running sideways, the karaoke. Uh, Burt Jones said, I've never seen anything like it. I think Joe Washington runs faster sideways than he does forward. <laughs> 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 and that's a skill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. well, you know, it, it that did start, you know, in the neighborhoods of, of Bay City, Texas, and my dad, for the most part, I'm I really, you know, for his, as strict a coach as he was, I mean, my running style, I mean, I can't believe he let me do that to this day. I, I just don't understand. I, I, he allowed me to jump people back in high school. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, he allowed me to do a lot of stuff that I I don't think I'd allow anybody to do, you know, and and I still do it. And it kind of amazes me, especially his strict background.
3: Mm.
1: And did Jimmy Johnson, I mean, I know he's a Port Arthur guy. You're a Port Arthur guy.
2: Yes, sir. Port Arthur, home of Jimmy Johnson. He, he went to Jefferson, home yeah. of Jimmy Johnson and Janis Joplin, my friend.
1: That's right. <laughs> classmates.
2: Hey, hey, all three of us are Jays, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I read that, that Janis Joplin and Jimmy Johnson were high school classmates. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he's on the staff at Oklahoma when you're there.
2: My freshman uh, year. Yeah, he was there. He coached the defensive line.
1: Okay. And so then, so you get draft. So you're two time national champs. You've got this, you know, just insane, you know, career. You rush for over 4,000 yards and you get drafted by San Diego. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, you're there for two years. You're hurt your first year. Um, and it must be a culture shock. And this happens to a lot of guys who come from winning programs and then you get drafted by a team that's not that good. You guys lose as many games in the preseason three as you did your entire well, more than you did your entire collegiate career. Um, now you're hurt in one of the early exhibition games. Um, but you know what's like the translation transition like to San Diego? Tommy Prothrow is the head coach. Bill Walsh is the offensive coordinator for your first year. um. Are you hanging around the team, you know, kind of learning from them or are you hurt? And like, you know, you're home rehabbing. How did that work?
2: Let me let me just give you give you a little insight to this. I come from one of the winningest winningest programs in the country in history. Right. With Oklahoma. I am not on a winning team. In the pros until 1982. When we were in the Super Bowl in Washington, you hear me? So I threw, uh, well, San Diego was one of my favorite teams as a kid. The Lightning Boat, Lance All-Worries, Paul Lowe, Keith Lincoln. uh, 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 What was Dickie? Dickie Post. Oh, man, did I love him. I actually, hey, I actually called him. He was one of my heroes. I called him up, Rich. Just out of the clear blue sky, I called him up. And (laughs) listen, so (laughs) it was so cool. He Hey, he knew who I was, and we talked, and it was great. Just like, I'm going to tell you what. And now my favorite team of all time was the Baltimore Colts. Said, I got a chance to play for them. Lenny Moore was my hero, number 24. Yep. Johnny United's number 19 was my hero. I mean, and my brother's hero. He wore 19. When I got to Baltimore, he asked me if I wanted to wear 24. I said, are you kidding me? No. His was retired. Of course. I'm right. not worried. I'll find something else. Hey, I just like the fact that, Hey, we talk, you talk to me, you know, my name or whatever. And so, and, and I say all of this because in San Diego, it was tough, you know, getting hurt that first year because they expected a lot of me, and I did too. I was the, I'm supposed to save this team, and the, I had great games during the preseason. Hey, if you saw me, you know, if you saw me play during the preseason, you would say, oh, gee, we're going to do good stuff.
1: Yeah, you scored a bunch of touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I mean, I ran punch back. I mean, I did all kind of stuff during the preseason, and, so I guess, you know, you know their hopes were high. And we go to Norman to play a preseason game. And in the second quarter, I uh, tear up my uh, knee running the kickoff back. Yep, we were playing our uh, New England. You know, we are playing Fairbanks. And they had um, quite a few players from Oklahoma. Well, he had at least three. Chandler, Sugar Bear Hamilton, and Rod Schultz. Hmm. and some other guys I I I knew I knew Sam Bam Cunningham and guys like that. So, uh they scheduled, you know, that preseason game, you know, in uh in Norman.
1: Okay. And so then so, so you're hurt for that year. Now that's an interesting team. So Mercury Morris is at the end of his career. He's with the Chargers for a year. Did you I mean, did you have much interaction with him or a guy like Dan Fouts or Charlie Joyner? Oh, well I
2: hey, I tell you what, uh, well, you know when I got hurt, they traded for Mercury. Okay. And Mercury sort of introduced me to what this game is all about and how the coaches are and how things are going, you know. And uh, I tell you what, he uh, he enlightened me quite a bit, you know. Even though I, you know, come from a football background, you know, the the pro, pro system of how they go about things, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he really enlightened me. I tell you, he, he really did. Mm-hmm. uh charlie jonah real well became good friends and uh uh Shaq harris he yeah, was sure. there because i know Fouts held out one year and i got a chance to play with uh 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 shack uh, my first touchdown pat passing touchdown was to charlie jonah a little crossing route through a nice little pass to him and uh well you know we, we had that good talent out there i think uh Coach uh, pro Prothrow was sort of a little bit in over his over his head and his time at even at that particular time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when Coriel came in, you know, Coriel came in the day after I had my Monday night game against New England.
3: Right. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. so uh you could tell they had talent because that whole team turned it was a turnaround immediately
1: yeah I mean there must have been a part of you given the type of player you were you could run you could catch you could you know do everything you must have looked at that and said damn that could have been fun playing for Uh, him
2: oh yeah indeed I I know when I made the Pro Bowl you know that staff the San Diego staff uh, was the staff coaching the uh, AFC when I was with Baltimore and I told Coach Corey I said gee coach if if you'd have been here, man, I never would have asked to leave. You say, I would have never let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coach. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and it's and it's kind of funny because when when you're leaving San Diego, they're kind of swapping you for Lydell Mitchell, who's who's mm-hmm. a running back kind of similar to yourself. He you could run, he could catch, you know, led the league in receiving and all that. But when you read the story about Lydell, it's like, well, he's leaving because of money issues and issues with Ursay, you know, some racial stuff. And you must have been like, okay, so money issues and racial stuff, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm going to Baltimore. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: yeah, that's what I said, oh, gee.
1: But you get to Baltimore, and so that's an interesting situation. Burt Jones, obviously the Rustin rifle, huge cannon for an arm, but starting to enter into the part of his career where he's hurt a lot. So all of a sudden your quarterback is like Bill Troop and Greg Landry at times. Um, what, you know, what was it like getting in there? I mean, obviously on the one hand you start to put up huge numbers. Running well, from-
2: first, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, Bert got hurt, you know, during the preseason. Right. And, and because he was Bert Jones, you know, it was always going to try to be rushed back in, which we probably needed to do is probably miss that whole season. He probably should have. And he right. probably should have had some surgery. But he came back to play in a few games and kept re-injuring it. Uh, Troop had probably one of his best games, you know, uh, which we both had, you know, on Monday night. Uh, uh, Greg Landry. I'm uh to be honest with you. All of those... All of our guys were injured. On defense, we had at least six players injured. On offense, we had a very young offensive line. We had three veterans retire. <laughs> three, three veteran linemen retire. And mm-hmm. your starting quarterback, you know, the Rustin Rifle, he's not there. I mean, they trade Raymond Chester back to Oakland yeah. and you know, and then you get this, you know, this one guy who who's uh, all beat up from San Diego. He's wearing his glasses. He's got his eyes poked out. <laughs> hey, he played with a bunch of gangsters in Oklahoma. They were always on probation, you know. I say, well, what the hell are we doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, yes, yeah, sir. So, you know, hey, I, you know what? I hated losing, but it was better me trying to, you know, do what I would, could, could do to help us win than me not playing. You know what I mean? Of course. Hey I, hey, I left a place where we wouldn't play because of some of the things I used to do. One time he told me, said, he said, Washington, that's a lot, son. We don't do that in the NFL. And, you know, I was doing all kinds of stuff around there. And. He obviously wasn't accustomed to. It. I gave him. I probably gave him headaches.
1: <laughs> you talking about pro throw?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just what some of like the moves you did on the field and stuff.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I hey, sometimes I'd run into a hole twice. I I ran in. I changed my mind. I came back and ran again. Uh, I ran a option one time off a of defensive end, and he said son, we don't do that. He, I said, well, coach, I was just trying to make a play, you know, whatever. So uh, it was, it was, it was hilarious. It was, <laughs> but I tell you what, I learned to play cribbage and backgammon. Let me tell you, I'm pretty good too. That's one thing coach Prothrow taught me how to do, play that and backgammon and crazy AIDS and we oh man I'm telling you we were pretty good as a team at that couldn't win any football game but hey we were pretty good at this other stuff (laughs) that's
1: awesome that's great well and yeah and and when you go to Baltimore you you alluded to it a few minutes ago early on I think it might have even been like your oh I know your first two games in Baltimore you guys lose by a combined 80 to nothing yeah you must be thinking to yourself what the hell have I gotten myself into
2: I, hey, I really was thinking, holy crap, Batman, what's going on here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then that third game in the driving rain, and this is back when, I mean, and, you know, for the listener, most listeners will remember all this, but Monday night football was an event. Yeah, there was no yeah. Sunday night, there was no Thursday night. It was Sunday football and then Monday night. And so everybody would watch, you know, you only had three channels to choose from anyway. Um, and in the d- driving rain, New England is heavily favored. You put together what could be argued the greatest quarter in NFL history, certainly on the short list and, and certainly in the history of Monday night football. It's in fact, it's funny. I interviewed Dick Anderson who had probably the greatest half in Monday night football when he had four picks versus uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Your quarter, You throw an option pass for a touchdown to Roger Carr. You yeah. catch a long pass for a touchdown and then new England keeps coming back. And with under a minute to go, you return a kickoff 90, excuse me, 90 yards for a touchdown in the pouring rain, all of this in a downpour. Tell me <laughs> about that. I mean, like every pro athlete has their moment where they're feeling it, but this had to have been off the charts.
2: Well, you know what, one thing, you know, I, you know, I, I did return kickoffs. I've always thrown the ball. I've always caught it. And of course, you know, Hey, being a running back, you know, you do run. And, um, I wasn't expected you know uh, wasn't expecting to play you know very much you know during that game other than you know return you know uh kickoffs, maybe some punts, maybe see some action because the 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 key thing with me was you know i I just got there right before the first game mm. and you know learning their system well getting accustomed to their system because the plays were numbered differently from everywhere else and I've ever been in my life. Okay. Whenever you call a play 24 power, 26 power, that's to the right. 25, 27, the, uh, the, odd, the odd numbers were to the left. Well, it was just the opposite in Baltimore. <laughs> now I'm talking about seventh, eighth, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Hey, and then four years, hey, that's 10, 12 years, then San Diego, of running the football to the strong side, which the numbers even. Right. Well, so it was that was a little, it took a little getting used to. Sure. When I got in the, when I got when Donnie Mc, John McCauley got injured, um and I was going in, I say, holy crap, Batman. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I'm either sink or swim because the only plays I know are the ones I carry the ball. <laughs> 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 and and Rosie helped me out. So when we get in our formation, he pat him pat his either left cheek or right cheek on which way we go. I mm. know what to do, but I'd I'd always, you know, revert back to, you know, going to one side or the other. And he was the uh, and he was able to uh, pat his cheek to let me know that this is going to this side. Okay. And, uh, Hey, and that, that got me through it. And, um, I didn't slip one time in, you know, in the, uh, in the rain, but shoot, I had some, I, I traveled with a bunch of shoes, you know, for different surfaces. And I, and I, and I, I had this thing about shoes or whatever. And I happened to bring the right shoes that particular night. And, you know, you talk talking about the stars lining up. They lined up yeah. for me to be able to do everything that I was, uh, you know, taught to do from a kid growing up. So yeah. that kind of uh, reintroduced, I think, you know, uh, the faith in me being, you know, the type of back that I was. So I think, you know, that low of two years, I think, you know, people, you know, you know, got a chance to see, again, what I was capable of doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, C- clearly showed you were back from the knee injury. Yeah, because your first year in Baltimore, that year, you rushed for almost a 1,000 yards, back when that really did mean something. Mm-hmm. You caught almost 50 passes. The next year, you run for, like, about 900 yards. You catch 80 passes. You you lead the league. You know, you become one of the very, you know, on a, on a very short list of guys who could kind of, you know, run and catch the Chuck Foremans, the Lydell Mitchells, um it's you know it's it, you know a couple of incredible years um i remember burke jones also said in addition to talking about your ability to run sideways um i remember he said you know that guy can take a lot of pounding but for somebody that small he can also give a lot of pounding
2: <laughs> yeah you, know,
1: you were just about running on the edge you could take it right up the gut
2: yeah plus plus i thought you know burke and my quarterbacks i always had were pretty brave because they never uh <laughs> they never served me for uh pass, you know, pass protection. I always stayed in, right? Uh, in the pass protection, I say, well, gee, these quarterbacks are really brave. If they're going to stand back here with my little butt, you know, uh, 175 okay. pounds, you know, protecting the quarterback. So, uh, yeah. I I give them a lot of credit, I really do. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um,
1: and then and then your your last year, they draft Curtis Dickey in from Texas A and M. And all of a sudden, you're kind of splitting time in the backfield. It's got to be kind of frustrating. You're still productive, um, but he's there taking carries also. Did did you ask to be traded to Washington, or how did that go down?
2: No, I asked to be traded. Well, first I asked. I say, well, shucks, I've gone to the Pro Bowl. Hey, and this guy's making more money than I am.
3: Mm. So
2: I think it was more that I, I told him. I say, look, hey, I'm not afraid of competition. You know, I'm here. I'm a player, but He's making a little bit more than I am. So if you could just make it a little even or whatever, if so, I'm here. And I think, and one thing I think they did, you know, I, I had some negotiations and I think they wanted to change him a little bit here or there, something, you know, we agreed on one thing and then of course they uh, called back and the owner wanted to do something differently. So I say, no, I'm out of here. Right. Uh, You know, but you know, you can't, you can't pick where you're going to want to go, though. I was just, I was lucky to do that. I mean, I was really lucky to end up in Washington with Joe Gibbs. Yeah. Really was.
1: So you, you come into Washington in Gibbs's first year Mm -hmm. and Bob Beathard is the general manager. Obviously they become a, you know, a great tandem. And I'm Mm -hmm. also curious, Bobby Mitchell is brought in as assistant general manager. And he's interesting because he's been in Cleveland with Jim Brown. Yeah. He is another guy who's, you know, can run and catch, you know, there's, it's a very short list of guys who are incredibly productive at both, you know, for more than a couple of years. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of interesting that you're kind of on the team while he's coming in there. Um, did you have much overlap with him? And, and yeah, tell me about Joe Gibbs and, you know, the early part of his career.
2: Well, you know, one thing, uh, like I say, I had him when I was in the uh, Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. you know. Jeff, yeah, and that's where I first met him. And I love their offense. I love the way they went about things.
1: Oh, because so, Gibbs was with Gibbs was with Coriel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. 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 Okay. So,
2: uh, so when I did, so when he got the job in uh, in Washington, and I was up, you know, I was on the blocks. I sort of put a couple of feelers out to see, you know, let basically let let him know that <laughs> I wouldn't mind playing in Washington, you know. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I got you know the call on uh, on draft day that I was going to Washington. You know, Joe Washington is going to Washington, so uh, I was really elated about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, really was. I actually went out and worked out during that day. Probably one of the most vigorous workouts I had, you know, uh, all off season is when I found out I had been traded to, uh, to Washington. And I wouldn't have to move way across, you know, across the country either, you know, you know, being here in Baltimore. So, you know, that, uh, Hey, that, that, that really worked out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's awesome. And, and so you go to play for Gibbs. So this is a team. Obviously, Joe Theismann's the quarterback. You've got John Riggins in the backfield. Actually, your backfield is really interesting. It's John Riggins, you, and Terry Metcalf at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, another oh, Wilbur Jackson from
1: Alabama. Wilbur Jackson, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Art Monk is out at wide receiver. And they're starting to pull together the Hogs in that draft on that draft day.
2: Yeah, they were piglets then.
1: <laughs> they're piglets, right? They get the two guards, Mark May and Russ Grimm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know they're kind of putting those pieces together. And I'm also curious. There's again, so an art market receiver, and there's also Lamar Parrish is at the end of his career playing D back, and he's a guy who I look at and I think this is a guy who does not get nearly enough, you know, kind of attention. Uh, you know, his his old running mate in Cincinnati just went into the hall, Ken Riley. But, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But but Lamar Paris is in is, you know, comes in from Cincinnati for a year or two there. Um, just curious, you know, kind of the type of locker room you walked into. What was Theismann the like, Riggins, you know, Monk, those guys?
2: Well, one one thing, you know, you knew right off the bat that you were on a veteran team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You are on a veteran team. These guys, hey, and, uh, you know, hey, I mean, <laughs> it was all it was always all business. Hey, they were you know, they, they were all cut ups, <laughs> and they were all they were all men. I'm telling you, these, these were these were guys. These are guys that you looked up to. You know, they were you know four years older than you were, and they understood you know the ropes, how things you know were, were going here and there, and uh, it was it was really fun. Rigo was funny. I mean. And, I mean, all of these guys had great sense of humor. They were jokesters. And hey, they were football players, beer, drinking, smoking. Hey, I'm telling you, it was like a job to them. Hey, a nine to five. Hey, go. Hey, after practice, have a few beers <laughs> right, right in the locker room. And obviously, excellent football players. So, right. And, um, I got there. We uh, went eight and eight. We lost. We we started off zero and five. I got hurt the second game of the uh, season. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, here I am. I had I didn't miss a game in Oklahoma, and now I'm in the pros, and I get these little nitpick things here. I um uh, in in Baltimore, I didn't I didn't get any injuries. I was there three years, but the first. Let's see, I, I didn't play in the first, well, I didn't I didn't start, you know, the first year when I was in Baltimore, the first four or five games. And I did have, I missed three games uh in Baltimore the second year where my knees swelled a little bit. And then of course, you know, you know, dividing the time with with Dickie. Well, I had a high ankle sprain in the second game, and I think I ended up missing four, four games, four games after that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, when I came back, you know, we ended up, you know, going eight and eight and shucks, I was really productive because I missed four games and I had 900 yards.
1: Yeah. Plus 70 catches.
2: Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we still, and I still wasn't on a uh, winning team. We went eight, and eight,
1: <laughs> <Getting> closer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that next year, uh, the strike, the strike year, uh, we, um, pre-season game, i tear my ACL. And uh, during those days, they didn't fix ACLs. So um, we had the strike. I was in surgery. And when I came out of surgery, they um, I, I had treatment, but then they had a lockout. So I had to work on my ACL myself. Now, the, the doctor, you know, he... <laughs> When I, when he got through his surgery, he uh, came in and talked to me and he said, uh, hello, Joe, uh, we took care of the cartilage in your, uh, your knee, but you tore your ACL and we don't do anything with those. I said, you don't do anything with those. What do you mean? Say, no, we, we, we don't have the technology to fix. Those.
3: Hmm.
2: And uh, you know, and running back like you, um, uh, Probably will affect you a little bit, and I'm I'm thinking I don't I've never really heard of an ACL to be honest with you, right. even at, at even at that stage, so I'm i I'm, I'm a little bewildered, and I say, well, look, uh, Doc, what are you saying? He said, well, you might start you looking for another means of employment. I still don't know what what he's talking about. I, I really don't know. Right. I know that he means that you know. I should look to do something else. I think that's what he really meant. Right. But um, shucks, I played that year <laughs> with that ACL torn, and of course, you know, I wasn't myself because every time I'd make a heavy move, it would slide off. But I struggled through, you know, didn't couldn't understand you know that my being able to rehab you know wasn't helping it, you know so that that was that was a little tough there to have to play those last few years or last two years uh, not being myself, yeah, and uh, I think you know that more so than anything else you know, led me, you know, after, you know, Atlanta, you know, uh, put me on waivers. I think that was the only way I could get out because if they would have signed me again, I would have played. Right. I would have played. I would have played as long as I could play. Right. And I wasn't anywhere close to what, you know, I was, I was better than most, but still, you know, with that ACL, uh, it limited me a lot. A bunch. Yes, sir.
1: It's amazing now, you know, ACL, God, you know, they can, you know, repair them so quickly and there's barely a scar anymore. And (laughs) it's amazing to think that back then it was almost a career ender. It's oftentimes was a career ender.
2: Well, it was for a running back. It really was. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and you and you still you know even through the pain you still do I mean 83 season so you guys win the super bowl in 82 but obviously you've been compromised with the injury mm-hmm. um <clears throat> 83 season you guys are 14 and 2 yeah two losses are by a point each which is just incredible um you play in two of the you know kind of more iconic games of the 80s you you that monday night shootout with green bay you know yeah. and all those guys yeah. and then, i think Green Bay won that one, and then you guys win the shootout with the Raiders. You score mm-hmm. the touchdown with like you know under a minute or go to go whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, but it's funny. I talked to I interviewed Greg Pruitt on the show like a year or two ago, and we were talking about that game because he had the big kick uh, punt return. No,
2: punt return, yeah. Yeah. And I, told you, I see when he when the punt came in and he was inside. You know, you know I'm gonna catch a punt inside the ten yard line. Right. You let it go. Yeah. You let it go. Well. I, when he when he kicked it and he backed up i knew then i said oh my goodness i know he's going to catch it i said he's going to catch it he's going to catch it and we relaxed and i'm thinking you can't relax with this guy yeah. ever. <laughs> ever ever I ever mean, hey if he's on the field you can't you can't count him out hey he's going to get the ball some kind of way and sure enough that rascal returned that rascal 95 95- Yours. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's what I would have expected him to do. Nothing else. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and it's funny. And and yeah, it, it, well, he actually even said, he's like, Yeah, you can see, I guess it was Flores was the coach. He's like, you can even see him on the sidelines going, like, no, no, no. And then he's like, okay, go, go, go. Like <laughs> you know, classic coach thing, like, don't do it. Okay, well, you do it, but do it well. Um, <laughs> but then you catch the game winning touchdown. And <laughs> fast forward to the super bowl rematch Raiders and Redskins. Yeah. And and this is, you know, look for a guy who's, you know, had a thousand great plays, um, every now and then it goes against you. Uh, the play right before the half where Theismann throws it and Wyrick picks it off and goes pick six, like 10 yards. Yeah. (laughs) Pruitt said that, you know, in the, in, you know, he's like, I guess in the week leading up to the game or whatever, he was telling people, they're going to throw that pass again. They're going to throw that pass again. The one that Washington, that, you know, Joe Washington didn't mm-hmm. with. And he's like, this is it. This is it. And so they were ready for it because Pruitt, your boy, was, uh, yeah. was on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he's always, I'm telling you, hey he, hey, he does that. Hey, that's his MO because, <laughs> hey, Square, they, they actually ran Jack in as the play was going, they didn't call a timeout. He didn't go in the huddle. Hey, he ran in at the last minute and he ran straight where I was. And I saw him out of, I saw him and I knew I covered, but Joe didn't see him. Right. Yeah. Joe didn't see him. He had pressure on him and, you know, usually, you know, Joe and I on the same page and, you know, he knows where I am and I know where he's going to be. And we've, and I mean, we've made a lot of big plays, just just like the one before the season, you know, uh, uh, the, in the regular season where I scored the winning touchdown, right. he, know, uh, he knew what I was going to do then because he pumped, he held it twice. He threw a great pass. Well, that's the same thing he thought about uh, us, but I didn't think he was going to throw that one. And, and squad ran from the sideline, didn't even get in his stance. Ran straight through. <laughs> yeah, and he caught the pass. I say, well, this is going to be a long game here, sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that was. I mean, yeah, and that was basically the play that you know, kind of was like right before the half, and and puts him on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which was something you got to do a few times. So that was kind of cool.
2: Uh, yeah, I tell you what, that was that was unreal, unreal. <laughs> yeah.
1: And yeah, and it's it's just so funny how like two college buddies, you know, Greg Pruitt's like, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. It's just amazing. (laughs) Um, Indeed. And then, and and I guess like two or three quick questions for you, because I know I've taken up a ton of your time here. Oh, that's Um, all right. Yes. So one of them is uh, you're towards the end of your career. So 84. Um, you guys lose to the Bears in the playoffs.
2: Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that's the year before the Bears win the Super Bowl. But it's the year that defense has really started to come together. Oh,
2: yeah. They, they, they change everything, you know, in football. That group, that did, they were good.
1: Yeah. So when you when you're playing them in the playoffs, are you looking? You guys looking at each other, going, "Oh man, this is just different. This is not your, you know, your average defense here."
2: Well, you know what I uh, on several plays. I knew it was different because they had guys all over the place. They were just coming at us. Right. I mean, they were coming. You know, they were rushing five and six people. They were creating all kind of havoc. And these guys were not slouches either. They were big, athletic guys like our guys were. Right. And uh, I knew this was uh, – <laughs> I actually carried a ball one time. And one of the players reminded me uh, a long time ago, uh, what was his name? Golly. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, defensive linemen.
1: Dan Hampton or Steve McMichael? Hampton. Hampton,
2: yeah. yeah. He said, he said, little Joe, what are you talking about? I, I think I ran in there and they were. I think they grabbed me and they threw me around a little bit. I said, oh, you all serious? You all really doing a little hitting in here, you know what I mean? I knew then that hey, it was going to be a long day, right? You know, for us, a long day for us, and it it was, it was, and that was the birth of a nation, as they say. It was yeah. the birth, birth of what the uh, what what was that dance they did?
1: Oh, the Super Bowl Shuffle.
2: Yeah, Super Bowl Shuffle. Yeah, that was it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's crazy. And on that team, on on your on that Redskins team that year, is Keith Griffin, Archie's brother. Yeah who obviously you had, you know, kind of been a runner up to for the Heisman a couple of times. Did talk about that? Or did he talk about when he was a little kid and, you know, his brother was winning the Heisman?
2: No, you know, I was, I tell you, I was mostly, you know, you know, getting him ready to play. You know, we talked a lot about it, you know, and I always asked him, you know, how Arch was doing and, you know, if he talked to him or whatever. And, and you know, with Keith was basically both, you know, Hey, he wasn't too concerned about his brother. He wanted me to, you know, get him ready to play, which, you know, he was a good back. Yeah. I mean, real good feet. He could catch the ball. I think he had, you know, better hands than Archie. Uh, but Archie was a tough player. I mean, you, you know, you couldn't tackle Archie, mm-hmm. you know. But Keith was, uh, I think, you know, uh, a, a good all around, you know, a running back. Tough, could run real good routes. And like I say, he had good hands. Good hands. Yes.
1: Yeah. And he was a key part of that that Miami of Florida national champion team that first one with uh, in '83. Yeah, yeah. And then and then your last year you alluded to it a minute ago. You go to Atlanta. You're playing for Dan Henning, who had been one of the coaches under Gibbs.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and and the team the team's not that good. You guys are four and twelve. But there is one guy we were talking about style at the beginning of the show, uh, Billy White Johnson. So well, you know you, well, you, you know what we were
2: you know we were tight you know we were buddies running buddies you know that don't you
1: oh, of course <laughs> had to be. silver shoes and white shoes i mean how how not <laughs>
2: there you go that's what i'm talking about worked out together we changed you know uh different um you know uh, uh workout regimes you know off season uh we exchanged a lot of stuff i mean hey we we of we from that same you know era and mold so uh i hey i tell you what um quarterback, Markowski, Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. They were just young. I think, you know, the ownership, you know, hurt them more than, you know, the uh, coaching did. Fantastic coaches, good players. I think, you know, management, you know, was, the, you know, the detriment, you know, at that particular time because they had a real good group of football players. It was my last year. So, I, you know, folks say I went from the Super Bowl to the toilet bowl, so... <laughs>
1: That's the life of a professional, right? It's very hard to keep yeah, going the entire time. That's it. But,
2: no, I I I, I like the city, and players were great. I mean, they, they were great. Eh? And, you know, they showed, you know, eventually, you know, they, uh, you know, got the right management in there, and, hey, they turned that team around.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and so then you retire. And I'm always interested in this because I – about, I don't know, maybe two months ago I interviewed Dan Pastorini, and he got into, like, drag racing, funny uh, cars. <laughs> And and obviously, famously, Brad Daugherty, the you know basketball player, got into NASCAR. You and Dr. J have a team uh, NASCAR Busch <laughs> yeah. Series league for a while. Tell me about that. How you know? First of all, how did you connect with Dr. J, and and you know what was it like owning a NASCAR team?
2: Well, y'all say if you want to make a small fortune, take a large fortune, put it in NASCAR and race horses, and it becomes the small one immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, said too. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking I, I I I uh was working for uh Pepsi and um I think you know coke was about to have their you know their like their, their, their contract was about to you know you know uh, expire with nice mm-hmm. being the official soft drink okay and we were going down just to check out a race and see what the atmosphere was, if this was something, you know, that you know Pepsi should do or could do. And I'd never been to a race. I never even thought about NASCAR. I was one of those guys who were thinking, oh, what's so interesting about it? All you're doing is seeing somebody go and turn and left all the dollars on time. Shuck. So <laughs> I tell you what, it was one of the most exciting sports around. It correlates where you have your owner, your car owner, your team football team owner. You have your general manager, your general manager of your uh, race team. You have your uh, head coach. You have the head coach in, in racing by the crew chief, the driver, the quarterback, the crew, the offensive line. And that's how it works, man. Yeah that's how it works i mean you're talking about these guys you know driving these cars and and the marketing that is done it it was it was fun it 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 really was fun uh like I said we ran out of money but uh if i think if we could have gotten a tire deal just one tire deal
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know we would we would still be racing Because we were were able to finish in the top 20 in our three years uh, there. Oh, wow. And uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And uh, I know a little bit about racing now, Rich.
1: (laughs) Everybody I talk to, they're like, until you go, you can't appreciate it. You go once and then you get
2: it. Exactly. Now, that is the truth. Yeah. That's really the truth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's, uh, that's, (laughs) yeah. So I saw that anecdote and I was like, I have to ask about it because literally Dan Pastorini and I talked about it for, you know, 10 minutes on on Uh him. So, um, well, so, so, so now I'll wrap it up because I've taken a ton of your time here. Um, well, Joe, I have to tell you, it, it's been, you know, fascinating listening to the stories of, you know, high school football in Texas and and obviously just the crazy iconic years at Oklahoma and obviously a fascinating NFL career with, you know, the ups and the downs and a Super Bowl title and Pro Bowls and all of that stuff. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Chasing Hardware. Thanks so much for the time.
2: Yeah, well, it's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Really did, man. <laughs> Hey, anytime, anytime we can talk anything if I got a hundred, I got a bunch of more stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm here for it. So, uh thanks again, Joe. Really appreciate it.
2: Take care, man. See you later.
1: See ya. And thank you for listening to Chasing Hardware. I've been your host, Rich Lumello. The Michael Stanley Band brought us in and The Suburbs with Life is Like are going to take us out. Speak to you next time.
3: Life is like life, is like it's like, life is like it's like, like it's like what it.